and we do bless your name forever and ever and ever. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Come on, y'all. Amen in the room. Amen. Amen. Well, we're so happy to have you at church at home today. And uh, my name is Matt. If you are new with us, man, I'm so stinking happy that you chose uh, to hit play with us today. We're so grateful for that. We realize that with the multitude of opportunities to watch church online, you chose to watch with us today. And I want to tell you, man, we're so grateful for that. I need you to hang with me because I'm going to tell you a story in just a little bit that's probably going to rock you to your core about something that's happened uh, in the life of one of our members just over the last week. And so here's what I want you to do. Would you take time to uh, share this broadcast? What do I mean? Uh, start a watch party on Facebook right now and maybe ask people to watch that you don't see online right now. Start a watch party and invite them right now. I mean, just while you're sitting there, let's do this, okay? Because what I have to share with you is going to be a great encouragement for you during this season of being quarantined in your home. Uh, and how do we get through these things? How do we face the challenges of life? Um, you know, every week we wanna bring to you a powerful encouragement. We wanna preach the good news of the gospel. And that's not a bad news type thing, it's the good news. So I want you to start a watch party if you would. Share this on your page, on socials of any way that you can so that we, uh, as the church can be assembled together. You know, Hebrews tells us, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together in the manner of some do, even so much more when you see that day approaching. The way we assemble together is online right now. And uh, what a phenomenal way for a virus to cause the church to go viral. What an amazing thing. So what I want you to do is help let's grow this this morning and help assemble more people, okay? I'm trusting that you're sharing, that you're doing watch parties now. Let's get into the Word of God, Psalm chapter 84. If you notice, I was gonna teach out of Matthew 4 earlier this week, but I feel very directed to go to Psalm 84. Psalm chapter 84, and we're going to, I'm actually gonna open up my a physical Bible, and I hope you have yours there with you as well. We do have the uh, scriptures in the bottom right-hand part of the screen as well. Psalm chapter 84, verse number one. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts. That is so powerful preaching right there. We'll get to that in just a few moments, okay? Verse four, blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praises. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. Now let's go down to verse 10. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. The psalm, this particular psalm, if you don't know this just in general, just so some Bible knowledge, the psalms are actually composed by eight different authors. Most people think it's just David who wrote the Psalms. That's not true. We have um, David, of course. We have Asaph. Asaph was actually David's worship leader. 
So the way that we have a worship leader at this church, uh, if I were to be a songwriter, I guess I am in some ways, but definitely not the way Miss Brittany is. Uh, Brittany would be like the Asaph of the group. It's, this is what David's worship leader was all about. Uh, and then you have the sons of Korah, which is partly part of this story. It's really powerful because the sons of Korah are the actual, the ones who wrote the, 80, the 84th Psalm. You have orphans who wrote the Psalms. What does orphans mean? It doesn't mean those without parents per se, but it means those without a name. We don't know who wrote some of the Psalms. Actually, about 50 of the Psalms were written by unknown authors. And then you have, of course, Solomon and Moses, uh, Heman or He-Man, we'll call them, but it's Haman. And then you have Ethan. These are the eight different authors of the book of Psalms. But when you come to Psalm 84, it's a really remarkable thing because the sons of Korah actually wrote Psalm 84. Why is that important? I'm going to tell you why. Because Korah was one of the people who led a rebellion against Moses in the wilderness. Korah rose up against the people of God. But the sons of Korah decided to submit to the will of God. And because the sons of Korah did, we have one of the most beautiful psalms. It's actually called the best psalm on peace. Oddly enough, the peace of God is not really mentioned very much in the psalm. But it's the overall meaning of the psalm. It brings peace for us to be in the presence of God, to dwell in his house. And so we see this psalm. I'm going to stick with my notes because I'll have a tendency to, to rabbit trail because I just love chatting, to you, chatting with you guys even though it's through a lens. So we see that Korah's sons rebel, but the, uh, the, the sons did not rebel, however, even though Korah did. And we see this great psalm being written. Well, here's the deal. I, I had this thought, I thought, I wonder if, again, this is just meanderings here, but I wonder if the sons of Korah wrote this psalm out of gratitude that they did not rebel against God. I wonder if they wrote this psalm by thinking to themselves, you know what, we know what our fathers did. They rebelled against God. But you know what, to be in God's presence, there's nothing worth rebelling against when it comes to leaving God's presence. There's nothing in my life worth leaving the house of God. And so when they write about the house of God, the dwelling place of God, it just crossed my mind. I wonder if they're writing this out of a place of gratitude. Because if you read Psalm 84, it's very evident that they had a deep passion for the presence of God, particularly for the house of God. And we'll get to that in just a moment. So whether, you know, one of the sons of Korah wrote this or whether multiple, it's obvious that they had a deep affection for the house of God. Whether it was a tent or a permanent building, it didn't really matter. And you know, we're actually in a tent right now. Do you know that? This is a tent. Why? It's a temporary place of worship. And that's what the Old Testament uh, wilderness tabernacle was. It was a temporary place to worship God until uh, the temple would be built. And so we're actually in a tent right now, guys. We're actually in our wilderness tent. Why? We've been driven out of the house of God. And I'll be honest, I'll tell you, uh, I don't know where God is in all of that, but I love that God uses that for the benefit of his people. Amen? And so we're in our physical, we're actually in a tent right now, even though it's not a tent that we would see in the wilderness. We're in an office building. It's not the normal place that we would worship. And so uh, because of that, we too uh, literally get to experience God in tents all across this country. Uh, a tent, again, was a temporary place for worship until the temple would be constructed. And for us, it's our online wilderness tent, you might say. But regardless of where we meet, the psalm is clearly shows a love for God's house. And I promise you we're going somewhere with this, okay? It shows a love 
for God's house. But more than that, and this is my first point, and I want you to see this, and she's going to put this on the screen as well, but more than loving God's house, they love the God in the house. But more than loving God's house, they love the God in the house. And I'm going to tell you something about the table. We're kind of similar in this nature. You know, it's our, our, our mission is pretty simple. Create a church where everyone has a seat, and where anyone can experience God's presence. And listen to me, although we want this place to be a church for everyone, there's really only one person that we really honestly care about meeting with each week, and that is our creator. That is the presence of God. And I'll be honest with you, this is a real funky time for me. You know, I think it's a funky time for all of us because, I mean, we're sitting in an office with eight people in this room, and then if I'm honest with you, it feels so disconnected in some ways. It feels so surreal. It feels like, is this really how we have to do church right now? But maybe God is reminding us that sometime the wilderness tent is where you're going to find me the most. I'm gonna talk about that in just a moment, okay? Particularly when it comes to the Valley of Baca. You know, we are in this season of life where the tent is really the place where we're learning to meet God individually when we're, when we're really used to meeting him corporately. And in fact, some of you have depended on other people's worship to get you there on Sunday morning, and now God is saying, well, you depend on your own worship to get you to me in this wilderness tent in this time. You see, we crave, I can tell you this, I can't speak for everybody in this room. I can speak for me, and I know some of their hearts. I would say, and even those of you watching online, I believe that you crave an encounter with God. I believe that you desire that. More than anything else in your life, I really hope that you do. You see, um, we crave an encounter, a meeting, a moment in his presence where all of life's pains, disappointments, setbacks, where they can find meaning, where they can find truth, and actually they can find hope for a better day. But I want to tell you a story, and this is the story I wanted to talk to you about. I want to tell you a story of something that happened this past week, the past week and a half to a family in our church. I will not call them by name. Our prayer team knows about this. But I want you to kind of put yourself in an isolated moment where you are eight weeks pregnant and you go for a checkup. And while you're at the checkup, in an isolated, quarantined life, no family, no friends around, the hospital didn't even know if they're going to allow the husband to come in the hospital, in the room, and you find yourself completely alone. Just, just think about this being in your life, okay? Now, I understand for a man, you go, I can't imagine myself praying. Okay, imagine yourself very alone and you just find out that you're diagnosed with cancer. Maybe you found out you're diagnosed with a brain tumor, or how about this, you found out you have coronavirus and you're alone. This is the situation that this family that attends the table church finds themselves in this past week, eight weeks pregnant and cannot find a heartbeat. She's scheduled for surgery and has to have a DNC where they remove a part of her, her child, alone, 
No family can be around to hold anybody. The best that they have is a cell phone connection to text, to FaceTime. But you know just as well as I do that nothing takes the place of physical touch. This camera lens will never minister to you the way us being together on a Sunday morning will. But this is the very place that one of our members found themselves in this past week. It broke me inside that I could not leave where I was living to go to the hospital and just sit and be. Even in the waiting room, they would not allow that. Are you with me? Do you hear me? Are you there in your mind? Alone, depressed, feeling hopeless. That's exactly what the scripture says to us in verse 6. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. What does that have to do with this, Pastor Matt? What is it? I'm so glad you asked about that. Because here's the deal. The valley of Baca literally means a place of tears, a place of weeping a dry place, a place of weeping, a place of tears, a dry place. It's like your own personal wilderness. And many of you have found yourself in this moment in the Valley of Baca. You found your place in a moment where all you want to do is weep and cry. And if you're really human, you just want to cuss. You just want to get angry and yell. I can tell you that my friends want to do that. They want to ask why. Why is this happening now? Of all the times in the world this could happen, it has to happen when nobody can hug me. This is the reality for many of our lives right now. For some of you, your depression has gotten so bad because you have no human interaction. And maybe the only interaction you do have is from children that are driving you nuts. I'm so thankful in this season of life that my two children are a little older, if I'm honest with you. But we want you to know at this church that we're mindful of the valley that you're in. We may not be able to hug you physically, but we're hugging you with our prayers. We're hugging you when we worship. We're worshiping with you. But can I be very honest with you here and tell you something? I need you to lean in here, okay? I mean, seriously, physically lean up in your chair and listen to me. If you don't worship through the valley, it will stay dry. Notice the scripture says, they make it a place of springs. They make it a place. So they took that valley that was dry. The only water in that valley was their tears. And maybe that's how you turn it into a place of springs, is that you allow your tears to become the water that washes the pain away. not sure where you are in that but I would challenge you to turn your valley into a place of springs with the very water that pours out of your face 
and cause that very water to come up out of your spirit. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit causes us to have a spring that bubbles up out of us from the inner part of us. Some of you are going to be creating new wells this week through your worship. Some of you are going to be creating new streams. Some of y'all are going to be creating a river because of your worship. Let's not forget that every person potentially watching could be in pain right now. But I also need you to remember that every person, every person is a worshiper. We're not all experiencing pain. My wife and I are one of the greatest seasons of our life. We have no pain in our life except me falling and about breaking my foot off a few weeks ago and wearing a boot around, which I don't have on this morning. And I promise you, somebody's going to talk to me about that after service. But here's what I'm telling you. Every one of us are worshipers. Every person has the ability to open up their mouth and say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Every single one of us. Now let's keep going. The writer shares one of the most famous sayings in the church. If you've been in church at any season of your life, chances are you've heard somebody say, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. Now, the tents of the wicked really are saying it's all the people who choose to stay in their tents when they could come and worship around the wilderness tabernacle, okay? A lot of Old Testament history there. We don't have time for that today, okay? Just trust me, the tents of the wicked are those who stayed in the tent, out of the sun, out of the heat, sleeping, eating, drinking, doing all the things that they would do rather than coming out and being a part of what God was doing around the tabernacle. But to be a doorkeeper in the house of God. Now think about this. A doorkeeper is the first one in and the last one out. We're experiencing a neat little phenomenon when we get to meet on Sundays is that we can't get people to leave the middle school in which we meet. When we first started the church, you couldn't keep people in. It almost felt awkward. It felt, oh my gosh, nobody's, we're not building community. Of course, naturally, it was six weeks in and my wife and I thought we had, had already tried to save the whole world. We're not, you know, just building a new church here. But now it's like people don't want to leave, I think, because people are catching a revelation that there's something unique and special about just sitting, just staying around God's people in the house of God. And I understand. I get it. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God dwells in us. I get that. But even Jesus went to temple every single week. Jesus understood the power of a unified meeting. In fact, that's where he would even do some miracles that would cause his fame to spread. And I believe with all of my heart that the body of Christ corporately unified is where miracles and signs and wonders can really happen. I believe that like deeply down in here. I believe that because I've seen it. I've experienced it. We've actually experienced it at the table church on some level. But just to be a doorkeeper, just to be the first one there and the last one to leave, it doesn't feel like duty at that point. It feels like honor. It feels privilege that we get to be there. Now, I want to tell you 
When I was a teenager, man, we used to shut the church down. What do I mean by that? I never, I'm, I'm gonna brag on myself just a little bit and tell you, I never broke curfew. Never said no to my father, never told my dad to shut up, never told him to get out of my room. I realized very early on, I don't have a room and I technically don't have words unless he gives me permission to use them. <laughs> I learned very on, very early on about that. But the one time I broke curfew, actually the two times I broke curfew, you know what we were doing? Again, this sounds so super spiritual, Ooh, Pastor Matt, but I'm just telling you what we were doing. We were in prayer meeting and we had shut the church down. They literally had locked us in the building we could get out through one of those push doors, but they had said, listen, you guys can stay as long as you want to. We got to go home. And me, my friend, Stephen Adderholt, Jim Odom, and a few other guys, we would shut that church down. We didn't want to leave his presence. We just wanted to be with God. We just wanted to experience power and glory in the presence of the Father. And when you're 17 years old, 16 years old, getting to borrow your dad's truck, um, you do everything you can just to get at the church when you're that hungry for God. So I would borrow my dad's truck and stay out late. And I remember one time my dad was just concerned and he drove all the way up the church just to make sure I was there and I was at the church where I told him. I still think I kind of got in trouble for staying out too late. But nonetheless, it was uh, not because I was getting lit. It was because I was catching on fire. Hope you got my little reference there. You got that? There's a difference. There's a difference. <laughs> it was at the altar of God that we created in that prayer room or in that sanctuary where we found God. You know, you have an altar right in front of you. It's the one that you create wherever you are. In fact, the psalmist said here, the sons of Korah wrote something unique about the sparrow, the bird. Watch what it says in verse three. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. Where? At your altars. So even animals know, even the birds knew if I'm gonna find rest, hear me, it's gonna be at a place of sacrifice. I hope you got that. The place of sacrifice became the place of rest. The place of sacrifice became the place of rest. The altar where we experience God, the altar wherever you kneel, wherever you sit and pray, that is your place of rest. But you can't do that unless you're intentional about doing what the sparrow and the swallow. By the way, those birds, the swallow in itself is a very restless bird. It's very, uh, very sporadic. He's saying the only place you're going to find peace and rest is in my presence at my altar. I'm going to tell you one more story and we'll go today. My grandmother raised me. My, my mom uh, gave me to our grandmother when I was 14 months old. And um, from there, I lived with my grandmother until I was nine years old. And then I moved in with my dad. Well, even when I moved in with my dad, there was just something about Fridays, man. I could not wait for Friday. Why? I was going back to Mama's house. Now, my grandmother's house had a smell, not like the old lady weird smell, right? But it, it had a smell to it, and it smelled like peace. It smelled like comfort. It smelled like joy. It smelled like 
Thanksgiving all the time because it was home-cooked meal after home-cooked meal and joy after joy, laughter after laughter, and just fun being at Momo's house, right? This is what my life was every weekend I lived for. But you know, something else happened. She took me to another house. She took me to another house that messed me up. And you know what house that was? The church house. And I fell in love with that house more than Momo's house. Why? Because in the church house, I encountered the God who created my grandmother. In the church house, I encountered the God who made me. In the church house, I encountered the God that made my mama's house smell like peace. In the church house, I encountered the God who would help musicians create the music that she would play on that little clock radio. Even though it was really old Southern gospel, we still felt God listening to it. Her favorite song was, I Can't Even Walk Without You Holding My Hand. What a phenomenal song by Charles Johnson and the Revivers. I remember listening to that song and she would just weep listening to it on the way to the church or when it would come on W, uh, whatever the radio station was, WDJC, oh my gosh, I remembered it. WDJC 93.7 FM. She would listen to it. We would sing, I can't even walk without you holding my hand. This became the life song for her. And she would teach me too. Baby, you can't walk without him holding your hand. So what about your home? What about this temporary tent? What do we do in this moment? In this temporary temple? What will you do with the Valley of Baca, that place of tears, that place of tears and pain? That place where you feel alone. The psalmist said it in verse 10, the best. For a day in your courts is a better, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. For a day in your court is better than a thousand elsewhere. In 1995, Matt Redman wrote a song called Better Is One Day. We used to sing that when I was a teenager, man, and it was like, that was the song. He would say, better is one day in your court, better is one day in your house, than a thousand elsewhere. We'd sing that over and over. Then it would come to this part of the song where we'd just yell out, better is one day. And we would just sing this over and over and over. And it'd become an anthem for our life. So today, I want you to make an altar in your temporary tent right where you're at. And Brittany's going to lead us in the chorus of this song and in the bridge of this song, Better Is One Day. And right where you're at, praise Him through the valley of tears. Praise Him through the valley of pain. Worship Him in the middle of your unanswered questions. And watch God make streams in that dry valley. In Jesus' name. Let's worship together.
Church, I want to continue, or ask you to continue, number one, praying for our world, pray for our president, pray for Congress, pray for Republican leaders, pray for Democratic leaders, pray for independent leaders. Let's pray for our local government, our mayors. We have a city mayor and a county mayor here in Dixon. Pray for the mayor of Humphreys County, as well as Davidson and Wiggins counties. Pray for the sheriff's departments and all of these and the police departments, the first responders. Those people are so important in this time. You don't pray for yourself. It's not a selfish thing to pray for you. Pray for others first, then pray for you. And believe God to do what only he can do. Here's what I want you to do. From your mobile phone, from your computer, I want you to go to thetablechurch.cc slash give. And I want you to be faithful in your giving. Can I tell you what you were all able to do this week? So one of our local businesses, their employees lost their job. Because of your generosity, we were, we were able to provide groceries and gas for eight different employees this past week because of your generosity. Now, we don't broadcast that very much because the scripture says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. The reason we only share that with you is because we want you to know where your dollars are going to. We want you to know what are we doing with money while we are not physically meeting. Well, number one, it still costs money to do this broadcast, a lot of money to do this broadcast. This equipment is not cheap. The, the insurance on this equipment is not cheap. And so the broadcast itself costs money. We also want to be a blessing to our community. We were able to do that because you have continued to give. If you're not a tither, I want you to begin tithing today. What is a tithe? It's a 10% of your, of your uh, income. You go, Matt, I lost my job and I don't have income. Email me, welcome at thetablechurch.cc. We can't meet every need, but we will meet some needs. For those of you who do have the means to give extra, we're asking you to do that so that we can continue to help people in our community during this time. You can go to thetablechurch.cc slash give. You can give on your mobile app, on iOS or Android. Those are the best ways to give, okay? If you say, Matt, I, I need to mail you something, we can make sure, uh, actually, if you'll just go to the contact page on the website, the physical mailing address of our office is right there, thetablechurch.cc slash contact. We love you, we're so thankful. And by the way, just so you know, we're working hard on our next steps for Easter. We will keep you posted on all of that as soon as we can. God bless you guys. Thank you for joining us today. Bye-bye.